yesterday morning about our church and about you all that are here today. And I felt like God told me, reminded me about a prophetic word that was came after the first of the year, that this was the year that God was going to reverse some irreversibles. Yesterday, amen? So that's things that the doctors have said were impossible, that they have said this is what's going to happen, this is what's not going to happen. God's going to reverse some of those financially, physically. He's going to business some things and some family relationships that it seems impossible. God is going to do some reverses in 2015. And we want to take some time to pray with you this morning because there are those of you that have some impossible situations. Whether you've been told that by a professional or you just see that with your own eyes, God is going to give you faith that He can reverse some of those impossible situations this year and you will see some turnarounds. I wanted to mention we have a little boy, Eli, two years old, just woke up out of a coma, has had encephalitis. The doctor said permanent brain damage. But you know what God is saying? God is saying He's reversing the irreversible. And that's that have some impossible situations. And we are going to raise our faith levels today to see God reverse these situations and see God move and do something that's impossible. Come on forward if you would like prayer.
Every chain, break every chain, break every chain. 
power. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. There's still power in the name of Jesus. There's still power in the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus to break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. You break every chain. Break every chain, break every chain. You break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. You break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. I hear oh, I hear the chains falling. Oh God, I hear the chains falling. thankful for freedom in Jesus this morning. Amen. Come on, let's give him a hand clap of praise. He's worthy. He's so worthy. Well, God is good this morning. Why don't you turn to two or three people you haven't met and tell them how happy you are to see them in the house of the Lord. Church on the Rock. We are so glad you're here worshiping with us. In the back of the chair in front of you, we have a lot of information about our church. Our inside look is going to give you everything that you need to know about who we are and what we believe in. Our ministry guide is going to give you plenty of opportunities for you to get connected through classes, small groups, and outreach opportunities. And if you're a first-time guest, please fill out the white card in the seat back in front of you. Drop it in the offering, or you can bring it across the hall to the Connect Room where you'll get a free gift bag. Don't forget about Saturday night meals and snacks in between Sunday services in the Connect Cafe. And the coffee bar is always open. We are so glad you are here. And we hope that you know there is always a place for you at Church on the Rock.
How can they hear unless someone tells them? You know, we have been encouraging you for the last couple of weeks to join us. Periodically, we have something called Friend Day where we want to put all our efforts geared around helping people that you love and care about make steps to Christ. On Easter, is a little different. Easter, it will give you a bunch of cards and just invite every stranger that you see. But in these periodic times when we do something like this, I'm concerned about the one or two people that you know and care about that need Christ. We've been handing out these little cards that say believe and encouraging you to write a couple names down uh, for this weekend. It's two weeks from today. But keep that in mind. Let me tell you a little story. Yesterday's pretty day yesterday, huh? I couldn't believe it was raining again today. But uh, yesterday, I had a really good day. I got up and uh, I finished my checkbook, reconciled my checkbook, and it was actually more money than bills. So I praise the Lord for that. But uh, did my checkbook and uh, even ordered something from Bass Pro for turkey season. That was good. And, and, you know, the dog needed a haircut, so he was looking shaggy, gave him a haircut, and then spent the rest of the day working in my yard. I love to do yard work. But all those things are necessary, good, and appropriate in this life, but none of them have eternal value. The only thing that has eternal value is a human being, a soul that'll spend eternity in heaven or in hell. And see, you and I have influence. It's the greatest challenge that Jesus left us before he went back to heaven. Jesus said, go into all the world and take my gospel to all nations, make disciples of all nations. Well, have me know the first all nation is right here, those around us. And what we're asking you to do is certainly take this little card and personally pray over it. But I'm asking you to come up with one person, maybe two, that you care about that needs Christ. Maybe they used to walk with God and they're away from the Lord, or maybe they've never made a step to Christ. We're asking you to bring them two weeks from today. And I'm asking you to do this too. If you can see on the wall, there's some crosses. Actually, they're made out of paper. And I'm going to ask you to take these names that are near your heart before you leave today. And there's some pens over there. Just write their name on that cross. And here's the reason why. We have prayer meetings going on during the week, and people will be stopping by each one of those crosses and praying for that person. Because how I many know we don't just talk somebody intellectually into the kingdom of God? How I many know the Holy Spirit draws them, and it's often in response to our prayers? So I want to encourage you to participate in that weekend. Um, we're having an evangelist coming. His name is Scott Camp. Scott's a, become a friend of mine. Uh, he's not one of these wild, froth-at-the-mouth evangelists. He won't embarrass you or anything. But uh, he's an educated man. He has a, a legitimate Ph.D. He's the head of an evangelism department, but he is not dry. This guy has an ability to connect and communicate with people and pull the net and bring people to help them make steps to Christ. We'll have a big baptismal service that night. A friend of mine said in his church they had in one weekend uh, 150 people come to Christ, and that weekend they baptized, I, I want to think 95 of them came back that night. So anyway, great experience. It's coming up in two weeks, and I sure hope you'll participate. Amen. Well, if you will, turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And we're going to start with verse 8. It says, And God will generously provide all you need. Hey, I like that. How many like to have all your needs met? So if we just stop there, we're going to say, Yes, God is going to take care of all my needs. Lord, what about my wants? No, all my needs. But then if you keep reading, it says, Then... You will always have everything you need, great, and then plenty left over to share with others. And sometimes I think we get this idea that God is out here to meet all my needs and take care of me. But what he's saying is, I meet your needs and then give you more so you can take care of others. Verse 9, as the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. 
You know, we have been doing a lot of things since before Christmas to help the poor and needy in our city. We've been doing a lot of things even to help the poor and needy outside and around the world. The India trips, the Haiti trip that's coming up in a couple of weeks. We, I went and visited this Rahab's retreat in Longview that we want to partner with them. And they're going to rescue over 130 women and children at one given time. So how many over the years, we don't know, off the streets from the sex trafficking and from drugs and alcohol and help get them set free and delivered and set back on a path to be able to provide for themselves. God gives us both seed to sow, bread to eat, and then verse 11, it says that, w- that we would be enriched in every way so that we could always be generous. I want to thank you as a church. You're a generous church. We may not be a rich church, but we are a generous church. And we give to poor and needy around the world in our own city. And I want to encourage you. As we, God promises to take care of our needs, but it's so that we can be a blessing, so that we can bless others, so we can give to others. And so as you give your tithes and offerings this morning, remember, God says he's going to take care of us, but so we could take care of others, so that we could be a blessing. Let me pray for you. Lord, I just pray for every family represented here, every person, every business. And I just pray, God, that you would meet their needs according to your riches and glory, that you would meet every one of their needs, but that, Lord, more importantly, that you would put in our hearts to be generous and willing to share, to give to the poor and needy, to take care of those that don't have much, that need help, and that, God, I just thank you. Then you're going to take care of us, and we're going to be, it's just going to be, always have the bread that we need and the seed to sow. I bless you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father? There is no shadow of turning with thee.
praise the Lord. Can we just say thank the Lord for his faithfulness to us? Come on, slip your hands to heaven with me just a moment and, and just let your prayer be heard by God, your prayer of thanksgiving. Lord, we just want to say thank you that you're good to us. Come on, let him hear you say that. Thank you for being so good and kind to me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for adopting me and your family. Thank you, Lord, for always keeping your promises to me that if I keep myself faithful to you, you'll be faithful to me. And I just want to praise you today. And I, I just want to join with my friends and say, welcome to the Holy Spirit today. Jesus told us where two of us would gather in his name, he'd be in our midst. So Jesus promises to come and gather when we gather by the person of the Holy Spirit. So I want you to pray this now, Lord. I want you to say, Lord, would you just come and visit with me today? Lord, the worship has been good, but I, I want to pray for something deeper in the Word of God. I want to ask you to speak to me that the, the Holy Spirit just has rights to talk to me and lead me in the way that I'm supposed to go. And we just welcome you today. Welcome, Lord. Would you just say, Lord, I want you to be welcome in my life on Monday. I want you to be welcome with me when I go to work on Tuesday and when I'm out having fun with my friends. I don't want to just have a Sunday relationship with God, but I, I want to know you seven days a week, 24-7. I want to walk with you. And we just praise you today. Welcome, Holy Spirit, today. Welcome. We welcome you, Lord. What we're doing now, the Bible says, those that wait on the Lord. We wait on the Lord, we'll renew our strength. Draw near to God, and he draws near to you. Pastor Nick, I want you to come back and sing another song, or Josh, if you're able to, a worship song. We just want to invite the Lord's presence to come. There's people that are here that are in desperate straits. There's people that are here that are facing debilitating disease. There's people here today that the devil is lying to. It's like he's got you in a box or a corner. There's people here ready to give up. I believe there's even people here, one or two, that are thinking about suicide. We welcome you, Lord, because it's in your presence. There's fullness of joy. And at your right hand, there's pleasures forevermore. Thank you, God. We love you today. Slip your hands out to heaven with me. Say, Lord, I love you. It's just like a child reaching out to their father. Welcome, Lord Jesus, today to worship you. And let this be a sacrifice. Let me dedicate my life dedicate to worship To worship you. this be a sacrifice. Let me dedicate my life to worship you. Cause I'm a lover of your presence. I'm a lover of your presence. The reality of
song was foreign to me as a boy. I was raised in a denomination that pretty much said God was in heaven and we just, you know, we, we, we duke it out on earth here. But can I tell you, the Lord wants to be with us every day. Jesus said when he went to heaven, it's better that he goes because the Holy Spirit would come and he would guide us into truth. He would lead us. He would be our comforter and our God. So can we just give the Lord a big hand and just say thank you today for loving us, for caring for us. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, hallelujah. Give your neighbor a high five. Tell him you are glad to see him on this rainy Sunday. Praise the Lord. Hey, turn your Bibles this morning to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, as you're making your way there, I want to give you a little update on what's been going on in my life. I have been here as your pastor for 25 years this year, and uh, that's a long time. I'm not, not asking you to response to that, just saying that's a long time. And uh, I've outlived my critics and our church is doing pretty good today, huh? God is a good God. But I tell you, I have uh, had a, a health struggle that started after my wife had cancer. And uh, that'll take something out of you. But she's doing well. Uh, Linnell just saw her oncologist and moved her from a three-month visit to a six-month visit. So praise the Lord. That's a good thing. And we appreciate your prayers. But after she started getting towards the end of hers, I started having problems with some what was told me was anxiety and not a worry, not the kind where it says be anxious and sin not, but medical anxiety. And it was basically I've come to understand was a chemical imbalance. I've got two different doctors. One of them thinks it's my thyroid or my adrenals. The other one thinks it's just the fact that I'm getting older and uh, it's, uh, what do you call it, uh, neural hormones, serotonin, those kind of things. Anyway, I've got a good God and good doctors and I'm about 80% trying to figure it out. But it has just flat wore me out the last six months. And uh, I have asked our leadership team uh, if I could take a few months off just to rest and get healthy. Uh, I feel like I'm leading about 80% and I want to be able to lead you at 100% because there's so so much more that God has for this church. And uh, anyway, they have blessed me. I've talked to my pastors. I have people that are pastors in my life. I mean, no, everybody needs a pastor. Everybody needs people to, to speak into their life to, to, uh, to, to help them. But anyway, our church is in a healthy place now. We are going forwards. We're not waiting on me. I have an important role, but how many know Jesus is the chief shepherd of this church, and he's going to make sure she keeps going forwards. Uh, we are continuing uh, with our building plans. As soon as the city and all that stuff gets figured out, we're going forwards with our building plans. Uh, we are in the process of uh, uh, con very seriously considering opening a, an extension of a Bible college and seminary here that could start up in the fall. Uh, we're doing what's called, going to be doing what's called church in a box, which is basically having a church service in places like laundromats and gyms on Sunday morning. So we got a lot of neat things that are coming up. And uh, I'm excited. But my plans are is uh, I'll preach next Sunday and, uh, and then take off until my son's wedding. I'll do his wedding in early June and then hopefully be back in the pulpit with you. So I want to ask two things of you. Number one, I want to ask you to bless me in this. It's something I need to do, not just I have to do, but I need to do this to get healthy. And I'd like to ask for your blessing in that. And the second thing, I'd like to ask for you to stay committed to our church. You know, stay committed, stay involved, stay serving, keep attending, uh, keep supporting the church financially. Do your part because how many know we're a part of God's kingdom and this is not just a social club, but we're advancing the kingdom of God and we want to move from strength to strength. Huh? Come on, somebody say praise the Lord. Yeah. All right, well, let me show you something, a dramatic change here, but I want to show you a, a uh, bull riding video, and uh, it's going to have an application to it. So take a peek at here at this guy who is either very courageous or needs psychiatric help. I'm not sure which one. 
Well, I bet he's thanking God. How many bull riders in the room here? Anybody ridden a bull? Let me see here. Oh, uh, there's a man right there. Anybody else ridden a bull? I'm not talking about, oh, here we got one over here. Okay, all right. There's a psychiatrist. We'll be waiting for both of y'all after church. No, on a serious note there, that guy's got to have guts to be able to do something like that. Uh, and I'm not going to ask how many have ridden a bull in a bar. I might get a lot of hands on that one, but I'm talking about a real bull. Well, now listen, that's kind of an interesting, interesting video, but let me make a spiritual application of that this morning. I want to suggest to you, if you could imagine that that bull represents circumstances in your life that are trying to throw you off from keeping faith in the promises of God. Let me say it again. God give, has given all of us promises in life. The Bible is a book of God's promises that the Holy Spirit will take alive and make them real for situations that we face. Uh, it could be a, a dream or a vision or a prophecy that you might have, but God speaks to you. Uh, for example, Abraham. Abraham's 75 years of age. He has no children. God says, look up in the stars, and, the, and as many stars as you have, you're going to have kids. Well, how many know that sounds like a great thing when you wanted kids all your life, but do you realize he had to wait 25 years? He was 100 years of age before his first baby was born. Now, can I suggest to you, he is the father of faith. Those were some rocky years. He rode 25 years on the back of a bull, and that bull tried to throw him off and make him believe that God would not fulfill his word, that God's promises were not yes and amen. And can I tell you, it's the exact same thing today, that God wants to give us promises. God wants, to, God wants us to have something to anchor on to for the future, and circumstances want to buck us off and rob our faith from us and keep us from believing God. God. Well, this is found in, actually, I've got a center scene screenshot I want to kind of show you too. Here's the guy. I mean, that's a, that's a real guy right there, man, riding that crazy old bull. But look at the next one. He kind of appeals to me more. He, he's got his helmet on. Uh, it's the helmet of salvation for the Christian. And he's even got some kind of chest thing on here in case the bull gores him. But how many know we have, as Ephesians 6 says, the helmet of salvation. We have the, we have the breastplate of righteousness. Our loins are girt about with the truth of the word of God. Our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Ephesians 6 says we carry the shield of faith to quench all the devil's fiery darts. And we have the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, so we can pray effectively. So there's a spiritual warfare. And I'm going to suggest to you that this bull, representing circumstances, whether it's Abraham's 25 years of waiting on God's promise, or maybe you're Maybe you're a single person and God has told you he's going to bring you a godly mate one day. Well, guess what? You look around and there's no godly mates and you've waited three, three, four, five years and there's still no godly mate. So you're ready to settle for the first guy that drives up in a new truck. You know what I'm talking about? You got to stay on that horse. If God has given us a promise, we've got to stay on that horse and not let it buckle us off. And it is our faith that keeps us on that horse, on that, uh, on that bull. You see, the way that you stay on that bull is to simply hold on. Can you say hold on? And that's what I'm going to talk about today. I've entitled it Hold One, Part One. We'll do this a couple of weeks. But we literally have to, by faith, hold on to what God has promised us, no matter what lawyers say, doctors say, boards say, what people say around us. I mean, if God says it's possible, it's going to be possible. So that's what we're talking about this morning. First um, Corinthians chapter one is our text. It says, God will do this. And I want you to say this with me for 
He is faithful to do what he says. Let's say it again. For God is faithful to do what he says. Now, this word faithful, it means true to your word. So God is true to his word. He is faithful to do what he says. If he, sa- is he, he will do what he says if we do our part. And for seasons of time, our part is simply to hold on to the promise of God and to believe. So today I want to look with you at one of the most challenging times in all Israel's history. It's when they were called to go into the promised land. And you remember they sent 12 spies to go check the land out. 10 brought back a bad report. Two brought back a good report. And I suggest to you it was all of them were looking at a bucking bull, but only two were willing to hold on in faith. So let's explore it together. Uh, Numbers chapter 13 is where we're going. And let me give you just a little more background. The Israelite people were God's chosen people. Uh, They were the ones that God had put his mark on, that they would carry the Ten Commandments of Moses, the law of God. Jesus, the Messiah, would come through the Jewish people. They were chosen and special in God's eyes. And it's amazing to me that the whole world, it seems like, is, is totally against Israel today. I cannot imagine when Iran, the nation to the north of them, and Iran says that they want to destroy and annihilate the Jews while we seem to be eager to let them get a nuclear weapon to do it. It doesn't make sense to me. College campuses all over America, there are movements to, to, uh, of anti-Semitic movements to, to destroy the Jewish people. Uh, their prime minister, Netanyahu, has recently called all the Jews to come back to their homeland. Why is there such hatred against Jewish people? I'll tell you, friends, it's a demonic hatred. It is an antichrist spirit because simply because they were the chosen people and they once again will be used by God. But these chosen people were at one time slaves in Egypt. They got there under Joseph, and it turned into slavery. They'd been there 400 years. Now there's perhaps a million and a half, two million of these folks. They saw God do great miracles, and now God gets them under Moses, and they're going to what's called the promised land. The promised land, simply by definition, simply means that God has made a promise. He's going to give it to them, but they've got to do their part, and they've got to stay on that bucking bull by faith, or they'll lose it. So with that background, let's look together. Numbers 13. Numbers 13, by the way, we just read through this book in our Bible reading. Uh, that's where I got inspired to preach this to you. Uh, I encourage, if someone were to ask me, say, Pastor, how can I grow in my spiritual life? How can I stop doing this? How can I make sure that I finish strong and Jesus says, well done? I'd simply say this simple thing. Take some time every day to be with God. If you will set aside 15, 20, 30 minutes a day to read your Bible and pray, if you will add to that a weekend church experience, I tell you, friends, you've got two railroad tracks to run on along this uh, this gift of life. But we want to help you in your Bible reading. There's a little insert in the back of your chair. Read two chapters a day along with me. Uh, If you got a phone app, it's on the phone app. But Numbers 13 is where we are this morning. Numbers 13, verse 1, the Lord said to Moses, send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. Can you say that last phrase that I am giving to the Israelites? Now, this is the promise that anchors this whole story. God made a promise is I'm going to give you this land. I mean, if you've got a teenager and you tell them uh, every week I'm going to give you $20, how many know Monday morning, as soon as they get out of bed, their hand is out looking for their $20? Because you made the promise. If your boss tells you, hey, look, starting in January, you're going to get a $100 a month raise. How many know that first check you're looking for what? 
You're looking for 50 bucks of that because they made you a promise that you're going to get a raise. See, when someone gives a promise to you, you latch on to that thing. But the problem is um, 10 of these 12 spies that went out would not lay hold of the promise and everything fell apart around them. Now, when God gave them the promise, that's where we get the term, the promised land. And this is in the region now where the nation of Israel lives, though it was much larger. Uh, it would not be automatic that they would get this land, but they would have to exercise faith and hold on. Now, how many know as a Christian, we live by the promises of God? The Bible, the written word of God, the logos of God, sometimes you can be reading through it and it's almost like it jumps off the page. It's a rhema word. It's like God is talking to you. God could also talk to you in a dream. Uh, he might talk to you in a prophecy. There just may be a sense of his peace when he's guiding you. But God's a speaking God. And may know when God speaks, we hold on to that. Now, there's another young lady in our church. Her name is Emily that's been holding on for a while. This is my bull this morning. I had my cowboy boots on last night. This bull, he doesn't rock and roll quite as much as the one on TV. But come on. Come on. It takes him a little while. All right. But anyway, when you're riding, Emily was riding this bull. She's a 16-year-old girl and starts having seizures. And as they began to ask, go to doctors, find out what was wrong, they came to find out that she had uh, uh, cancer in her brain. And it was, many were told it was inoperable. There was nothing they could do. They made inquiries all around the world, all around the country. Their insurance would not cover very much at all. And uh, she was in dire straits. But actually, when they told her that this was going on, she had a chance to get off because three doctors told her that says it's going to be impossible for you to even live. You just need to call hospice and enjoy the fast, last few months of your life. Now, how many know 16-year-olds aren't ready to die? I'm not ready to die, and I'm 57. But here's what she decided to do. She decided that she and her family were going to stay on that bull because God is still a good God, and God is still a God of hope, and God is a God that reverses things, and, and God has the last say. Come on, not the doctors or anybody else, but God has the last say. And the way you stay on that bull, if you watch them, those bull riders, what they do is they've got a strap around that bull. They don't have a fancy saddle like me, but they got a strap and they cinch that rope up and they get it tight in their hand. And when they get that rope cinched up, they put one hand on this rope to hold on and one hand to be a macho man with testosterone, come on and do like this to ride and keep their balance. You know what I'm talking about, but they hold on. And this is exactly where our faith does for us, is our faith allows us to hold on when everything around us feels like we're rocking off. Abraham's supposed to have a baby, and it just doesn't seem like it's possible. And, and Hagar comes up and says, hey, you can have a son through me. And he says, okay, I'll do it. And he gets off and his whole world falls apart. But this is what we're talking about. We're talking about this rope. We're talking about faith that helps us hang on in life. Now, verse 17, Moses sent these spies out and he said, go see what the land is like and see whether the people who live there are strong or weak, whether there's few or many. Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land. When they reached the valley of Eshcol, they cut off a branch. Now, listen to this bearing a single cluster of grapes, and it took two of them to carry it on a pole. In other words, if two men, if Jason and I stood here, we've got a, a stick between us like a broom handle, and we walk back carrying one, one, what would it be called? Yeah, one cluster of grapes, 
and we carry that cluster back home. You would think when they walk back into the camp that people would go, praise God, look where we're going. Look what's ahead of us. Look what's in front of us. But that's not what happened. But I want to talk about this poll just a second because this fruit was a visual reminder of God's promise. Now, if there's any way that when God makes you a promise, you can give yourself a visual reminder, it will help you. For example, let's say you've lived in an apartment for a long time. You're married and you just feel like now's the time to, to buy a house. You've prayed about it. You've got a little money for a down payment. You know what I would suggest to you? I would get a picture of a little dream house and I'd put it on the wall so I could look at it. Because I don't just need to keep my faith in my mind. I want my eyes to be involved. I want to hear things. I want to do something to feed my emotions and my mind, knowing the fact that God will do what he says. But listen now, if you can't get a picture of the future like these grapes, what you can do is you can remember what God has done in your past. Now, I want you to hear me because one way to keep faith alive is remembering the faithfulness of God yesterday. Psalm 77 verse 1, the psalmist is crying out. He says, I cry aloud to you, God, in prayer, and you will hear me. But look at what he says in verse 11. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will. I'll remember. So here's a guy that has strong faith in his prayer, but then he starts looking backwards because he got faith from what God did yesterday. And listen, it's a great value. That's one reason why you want to keep a journal. It helps you remember what God did. But listen, you don't have to keep a journal. You can just think about where God brought you from. If I were to ask you today how many came out of a life of alcoholism and drugs and immorality, we'd have hands going up everywhere. If I asked you how many people were in jail one time and you made a commitment to Christ and he brought you out of jail and made you successful. If I were to ask business people how many started with virtually nothing and ended up with a company and now you got plenty of money and you're living the life you dreamed about living. God brought us from where we were, come on, and he brought us to where we are today. He took a marriage that was falling apart and he put it back together. How many of God did that before he can do that again. And this is the power of remembering on the edge of bankruptcy, but somehow come out of it and get ahead with money in the bank. Well, that's what this grapes were supposed to represent, but it didn't look at verse. Uh, let's look uh, verse, 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 verse 25. Well, so they return at the end of 40 days and they reported to them and showed them the fruit of the land. You know, if I could redo the Bible, I would cut out the rest. Because if they would have stopped right there, if they would have had a rejoicing party, who knows how many thousands of people could have eaten a grape, but they didn't. They said in verse 28, one of the most tragic words in the Bible, the three-letter word, but. but. It's as good as God says, but. The people who live there are powerful. The cities are fortified. They're very large. We even saw the descendants of Anak there. Now, these descendants of Anak were gigantic. Uh, they were legendary. They were big, bad, and ugly. But what I want to tell you, now a spiritual test happens. And if you think you're going to get the promises of God without a test, my friend, you've got, you're fooling yourself. Let me tell you about a spiritual test. See, here's the test. Would they choose to believe God's yes and God's promise when the bull's trying to buck them off? And that bull, of course, representing these, the, these sons of Anak and the circumstances that were there. James 1 says this. James says, when your faith is tested. Now, did it say if your faith is tested? Yeah. No, it said, it said when it's tested because your faith will be tested. And many people will get off the bull when life gets hard. 
Many people, when persecution comes because of the word, many people, when they, I don't know what, pay, gave their tithe and, and, and God didn't, you know, bless them the next week, they get off the bull. Many people fall away when they don't feel like God is faithful. But my message this morning to you is simply this. God is a faithful God. And if we will hold on to the rope in faith, God will do what he said. Here's what James says. When your faith is tested, your endurance or patience has a chance to grow. And how many know endurance and patience is a virtue of the Spirit? Look, what does verse 4 say? Verse 4 says, so let it grow. In other words, stay on the bull until it stops. Because with Christ, you can stay on the bull until the bull finally starts bucking, lays down with his tongue hanging out. You can put your foot on his head and take a selfie. I mean, that's what it's saying. Let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete, needing nothing. So many of us pray for maturity. We pray that we could become the person God wants us to be. We pray that we would grow up in stature, but then God sends a test or a trial or trouble comes. Come on, and that's the stretching. It's like the, the pushback of the weights when you're trying to get muscles. How I many know muscles don't come from a pill bottle? And most people that try to get them from the pill bottle end up in the emergency room because they've had a reaction to the pill. That's just a little extra there for you weightlifters. Now, let me go back, though, to this passage. When they said, but the people who live there are powerful, a door to doubt has been opened. And the doubt is simply this. The doubt is the implication that God is not big enough to help me. And Satan is very eager to come through the door of doubt when you open it in your life. Doubt's something that we all know and understand. But when that door gets open, Satan sends fear through that door. And when fear gets in there, fear makes you believe the worst is going to happen. It makes you believe that, listen, in Emily's case, it makes you believe that I'm going to die in the next few weeks, that I'm not going to be pretty, I'm not going to get married, I'm not going to get to ride a horse, I'm not going to get to do all these things. I'm going to have pain, all these things. Fear, how many know the Bible says, has torment? The Bible says, though, that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of, of power and of love and of a sound mind. But Satan slips fear through that door, and something else he slips through is he slips hopelessness through. Because, listen, you may get on that bull. Now, they're called to ride that bull for eight seconds, and if they do it, they win the $50,000 or whatever, $100,000 reward. But in the case of the Christian, it's not an eight-second ride. It's a ride that could take days, it could take weeks, it could take months. For Abraham, it took 25 years. For Zechariah and Elizabeth, it took from the time they were married, likely in their teenage years, to the time they were probably 60 before John the Baptist would be born. For some of you that are waiting on a certificate to come back from some agency somewhere, and it is that time that brings hopelessness in him. And hopelessness whispers different than fear. Hopelessness says, God doesn't care. Hopelessness says, you're always going to be like this. You're never going to get married. You're never going to have any money. Why are you living and making these sacrifices for God? God doesn't care about you. Those are real. As I said, I was struggling with this chemical imbalance. I didn't know it was a chemical imbalance. I just thought you had to kind of be tough and tough through it. Believe God, have faith. It was about six weeks ago, and I had five of the worst days of my life, and I don't say that in a, in a, in a simple or a trite way. They were, uh, they were torturous days. 
my wife was out of town on a ministry trip that uh, we felt good that she go, and I was at home. Uh, Bethany was with me, but pretty much I was by myself for five days. And from the time I woke up in the morning to the time I went in bed, I was tormented by this thing. Now, let me describe it to you if you may not know what this, uh, this is like. In my particular case, um, how many like uh, to ride rides at Six Flags? And the scarier, the better. Let me see your hands. And the rest of you are just a bunch of old, scary people out here, I guess, today. All right. Well, anyway, I want you to imagine the ride that your kids talk about. It's up in the air 100 feet, and they strap you in, they lock you in, and it's a free fall. You're looking down, and you free fall, and you stop it however far close to the ground you stop. And you get out, and you go, isn't that great? Well, imagine you're on that same ride, and it doesn't have the seatbelt on, and the guy that's supposed to be running the brake, it looks like he's on vacation or doing drugs or something. Well, that feeling is what I felt for five days, and the only peace I had when I was going to sleep at night, and I didn't want to wake up in the morning because it was right back with me. And I'm telling you, those times, I, I, I didn't watch TV. I, I watched Christian TV. I listened to Christian. I, listened, I didn't listen to any radio. I prayed more than I've ever prayed. I read my Bible. I prayed in the Spirit. I did everything I knew to do. I went through inner healing books. I mean, I did everything I knew to get some deliverance, and I was none better and for the first time, now look, I've grappled with fear before, but for the first time in my life, I had to listen to the voice of hopelessness. That voice that said, how can you live like this the rest of your life? It's no way you will be able to stand in the pulpit, which on day five I was in this pulpit, feeling the same way that I felt because I was just simply deciding I'm going to hold on to the rope. And I'm telling you, friends, that hopelessness and fear has a voice. Now, look, I'm grateful for a good God and a good doctor, and I'm about 80% now, but I'm telling you this, friends, the devil can get you in a spot, and he can do everything he can to try to get you off the horse. And don't think it's just unusual to you. A man who wrote books of the Bible, David, a man who's described as a man after God's own heart, here's what he said, and this is how I felt. Psalm 69, David says, save me, God, for the floodwaters are up to my neck. Deeper and deeper I sink in the mire or the quicksand. I cannot find a foothold. Now, if you're a hunter, if you've ever stepped off in a marsh or a swamp and there's no bottom to it, you know what I'm talking about. He said, I'm in deep water. Floods are overwhelming me. I am exhausted from crying for help. My throat is parched. My eyes are swollen with weeping. I can remember two occasions where I just put my head in my wife's shoulder in the middle of the day and just began to weep because I was just, I just could not get a handle on that thing. My eyes are swollen from weeping, waiting for God to help me. Now look at this verse 13. Now we're going to have this same word, but, but it's going in a good direction. But I keep I keep praying to you. You say, well, why is it happening, preacher? I don't know. All I can tell you is we live in an evil world that carries the mark of sin. Come on. And Satan has taken over this world, and all the problems stem from him as God is a good God, and God's trying to get us through this thing. And sometimes you just got to hold on to the rope. Come on now. You got to keep praying, Lord, hoping this time you will show me favor. And in your unfailing love, God, answer my prayer. So I'm telling you, friends, whether you're living day at a time or moment at a time or hour at a time, you need to keep holding on to the rope. But come on, because God will never leave you. Jesus Christ said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll always be with you, even to the end of the age. So if Christ said that to me, I'm simply going to choose to believe it. 
Let me tell you something that is critical for you when you're going through a crisis. You need to get a word from God. Listen, God is not as the deist believes. He wound the world up like a clock and just let it run on its own and is disconnected and doesn't hear us. God is a speaking God. God said, Jesus said, it's better that I go. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He's going to lead you into all truth. He's going to speak to you. He's going to guide you, and he's going to comfort you. So shouldn't we expect God to speak to us and it not be mystical, spooky, or weird? I'm telling you, when my wife had battled with cancer, those first 10 days when we didn't know what the outcome was or where we were even going for help, there were troubling days in the Miller household. But I remember like it was yesterday, I was faithfully doing what I always do. I got up in the morning and I opened my Bible and I began to read. And I was reading an obscure Old Testament passage. You see, I wasn't looking for an answer to Linnell's uh, cancer. I was just trying to draw near to God in my daily Bible reading. And I read this obscure verse about when Absalom was, was, was fighting against his daddy and the runner came back and said, all is well. And when I read those three words, all is well, it was just like they just leapt off the pages because the Holy Spirit was telling me, your wife's going to be okay. And it became a word for me to be able to hold on to. Now, when I have, have had my little, this bout with this anxiety, and anxiety, when the medical people speak about it, it's not like the Bible speaks about it where it says be anxious for nothing. It's something going on inside internally and chemically. But listen, here's what I found out. I was seeking God and asking God for a word. One morning I got out of bed and just I heard these words as clear as a bell. And here's what it said to me. These words said, when you have returned to me, strengthen the brethren. And I went back to my Bible and I saw that it was Jesus' words to Peter. And, 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 and the Bible says that Satan had desired to sift Peter like wheat, but Jesus prayed for you, not that the problem would stop. Jesus prayed that your faith wouldn't fail. And when you've returned to me, Peter, strengthen the brethren, which told me I'm getting over this thing and I'm going to get over this thing and I'm going to continue to preach the gospel. Come on, because my days are not limited to the 57 years as a man of God. My days are in the hands of God. But I'm telling you, and then every time I go through this, every time the doctor tries to shift a medicine or whatever, somewhere in my mind are these words, when you've returned to me, you're going to strengthen the brethren, so just hang on. Come on, tell your neighbor he's preaching better than we're amening this morning. Let me keep going and wrap this up here. Verse 30, Caleb now, in the midst of the fear, Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who'd gone up with him said, we can't attack these people. We are not able. They're stronger than we are. Now, I want you to hear me on this one. They were right and they were wrong. They were right and they were, then that they couldn't do it, but they were wrong in that God could do it. Here's the truth in the New Testament, 2 Corinthians. See, faith doesn't deny human limitation. Caleb saw the same thing they did. But, but 2 Corinthians 12 says this, and it's about Paul and his struggle. The Lord said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. And say this with me, for God says, my power is made perfect in what? Your weakness. Therefore, I'll boast the more gladly about your weaknesses so Christ's power may rest on me. For when I am, then I am, say that with me. When I am, then I am, when I am, then I am. Why is that? It's because of Christ in me, the hope of glory. It's not just because of my willpower. Sometimes you've got to get to the end of yourself for God to pick you up and take you where you could never go on your own. There's power in that. 
When you can't, God can. Well, let's go, to, let's go down to Numbers chapter 14, verse 1. The whole community, they basically turned their back on it. The whole community, 14.1, began weeping aloud, and they cried all night. They got off the bull. If only we died in Egypt or even here in this wilderness, they complained. Why is the Lord taking us into this country only to have us die in battle? Now, where did they get that phrase, die in battle? Their faith, rather than faith in God, who said, I'm going to give you the land, their faith became in the power, come on, of the, of the Anakites and enemy, that they were stronger than they were, and there was no place in their equation for a big, infinite God. And this is where the problem was. They'd moved from faith to unbelief. They let go of faith and got off the bull, and they thought they would die. They said, our wives and our little ones will be carried off as plunder. And just to put it in their face, that whole generation died in the wilderness, and it was their children 40 years later that went into the promised land with Joshua. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? Now hear me. Egypt is the place where they were. It was a picture of the world, but for us, Egypt represents the life that we know yesterday rather than the life that God has us tomorrow. And sometimes it's easier just to let go of that bull and not ride that bull and just say, I'm going to just go backwards rather than forwards. But that's what they said, and they plotted among themselves, and they said, let's choose a new leader and go back to Egypt. How many know if you're in something that's birthed by the Spirit of God, you don't choose your leader with a waving of hands? How many know God appoints the man? God appoints the woman that he has in a role. Well, these folks were destined for trouble. Now, let me close with this. Because our faith does hold on to God's promise because God is faithful to keep his word. In chapter 14, verse 6, Joshua and Caleb, they're the winners. And mind you, the whole nation is going to have to go into the wilderness and sadly, Joshua and Caleb had to suffer along with them. But notice what they said in response to the unbelief. They said, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into the land and he will give it to us. In other words, when you reach something that you cannot do in your own strength and energy, when you're at the end of your rope, how many know God can do it? And aren't you glad for Philippians 1, 6? that said, he who began the good work in me, he will bring it to completion on the day of Jesus Christ. Well, that's what he believes. Only don't rebel against the Lord and don't be afraid of the people of the land because we will devour them. And notice as it closes, their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Their protection is gone. The Lord is with us. Don't be afraid. So here's my question as I close. How did Joshua and Caleb stay on that bull? I'll tell you, they had faith that God would do what he said. They had faith that God would do what he said. And the New Testament tells us this in Hebrews 11. Faith is the confidence of what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. So read that with me. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen happen. Come on, give the Lord a good hand today. He is worthy of our praise. Why don't you stand to your feet with me this morning? And we're going to close with the song, but I want to ask you to give God just a moment. And as you're standing, I want you to say, and you might even mumble this under your breath, say, Lord, what are you saying to me this morning? What are you saying to me? Lord, we, we want to be men and women of faith. We want to be people that hold on to that rope when the bull is bucking. 
We don't want to let go. We don't want to get off. We don't want to quit. Would you help us, Holy Spirit? Be strong and faithful to the end. You are good. You are good. He's a good God. There's nothing good in me. You are love. You are love. Display for all to see. Come on, reach out to heaven with you. You are light. You are light. When the darkness closes in, you are hope. You are hope. You are covered all my sin. That's what we choose today to run to you. And I'm going to pray for myself and for all my friends that, Lord, we would press in until we hear a promise or a word from God. And then we would hold on to that promise until it comes to pass. That we wouldn't be like those who give up and quit, but we would be those who finish strong and find the promise of God manifest in their life. Thank God in, in Jesus' name. I want to close with a personal opportunity for prayer. I find that every time God's Word goes forth, there's always an opportunity to respond. And I want to encourage you today to, to, to see this altar as a place where you can say yes to God. I want to ask you today, is your faith being tested? Are you right now, as I'm preaching today, your mind is just filled with thoughts of what you're riding and what's trying to buck you off? And maybe you're here today and that's a pretty tough buck that's going on with you. Maybe you need prayer that you'd be strong and not fail. Or maybe you're here today and, and you've gotten off and the Lord is prompting you to get back on. I don't know what it may be, but I guarantee you for scores of people that are here today, God has spoken to you about something in your life. And I want to encourage you to seal the deal with God. Because here's what can happen. If you just leave the church, you may get at lunch and somebody may say, well, what did the preacher talk about this morning? And you'll say, well, I don't know, but it was good. It had a bull in it. But maybe if you took a minute, if there's something serious in your own life and you took a minute to seal it with God, maybe no one would have to ask you what it was about. You'd just be telling them because it was deep in your heart. We'd certainly be honored to pray for you if you need to get your life right with Christ. Most important prayer that could ever be prayed is a prayer that a man or woman commits their life to Jesus. I was raised in church as a boy, but it didn't do any good because I never surrendered to Christ. I didn't know that you had to be born again to go to heaven. I didn't know that I needed to repent. I didn't even know that I needed forgiveness of sins. I didn't know that I needed to receive Christ as Savior. But I'm telling you, friends, all those things are biblical and true, that if you will commit your life to Christ and begin to follow Him, He'll give you the life that you've always intended to live. Maybe you used to live the Christian life but kind of got off, and you feel God calling you to start afresh. We'd like to pray for you in that commitment and give you something to help you. But whatever the case is, right now we're going to sing one last song and then dismiss. But I want our prayer team to come on up to the altar right now and stand with me. And as they're coming, I want to encourage you to come with them. 
Because if you need prayer for anything, if you feel God tugging your heart, please don't say no to it. Just slip on up here and someone will pray for you. Someone will stand with you. Someone will believe God with you that God's word is going to be fulfilled in your life. You come and let us pray. Need to make a commitment to Christ to stand for Jesus. You come and we'll pray for you today. I love you very much. You are more, you are more than my words will ever say.